It's National Wheaties Week. Yes, it's National Wheaties Week, and Wheaties presents Dimension X. Transcribed on stage tonight, Dimension X, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. It's National Wheaties Week, and here's the forecast for tomorrow morning. Bright and cheerful with occasional smiles, followed by a good morning all morning long. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? No, sir, you can have a better morning around your house tomorrow if you start it off with a good breakfast, including, I hope, a bowl of Wheaties with milk and fruit. Nourishment? Say, Wheaties have it to give. To you, right here in National Wheaties Week, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Talk about vitamins and minerals and protein. They're yours in Wheaties. All you have to do is get them, those Wheaties, at your nearest store. Get them and try them once this week. For me. For you. Try them once and see for yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Ready? Let's go. It's National Wheaties Week. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of Dimension X where anything can happen. You are Mr. Sid Ryan? The same. My name is Lucia. I'm a Martian. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Lu... What was that again? A Martian. A Martian, huh? As in Orson Welles? Precisely. I'm a Rotarian myself. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> and uh, now that we've had our little joke, Mr. Luchar, what can Publicity Associates do for you? It has been my observation that advertising and publicity are the very backbone of earthly civilization. Spoken like a true Martian, Mr. Luchar. Now, if you'll tell me the name of the client... The client, of course, will be the Martians. <laughs> you don't give up, do you? Give up? The gag, I mean. Oliver. Oh, yes, Mr. Ryan? This is Mr. Lucia. Oh, how do you Mr. do, Mr. Lucia? Mr. Lucia claims to be a Martian. Take him outside, will you, Oliver? Get the name of the sanatorium he escaped from and tell them to bring the butterfly net. Wait, sir. I'm happy to see, Mr. Ryan, that my telling you I'm a Martian has approximately the effect I supposed it would have. I believe we can do business. I have here the cash retainer of five thousand dollars. Five thousand. <laughs> Sit down, Mister Lucia. Hey, uh, Oliver, get the client a cigar. Yes, sir. Uh, no, 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 no. The other box. The Thank other box. Are. Thank you. No. Uh, well, now uh, what can I do for you, sir? I wish you to manage a publicity campaign, a very large. A very important campaign. Is the product established, or is it something brand new? Oh, something quite new. Now, what would you judge to be the most effective type of campaign? Well, if the client has a lot of dough to throw around, a suspense campaign is best. First, you place ads in the paper saying, watch this space. Mm. 
Then, about a week later, you run an ad saying XYZ, a PDQ, and you get people guessing what it means. Then, finally, when you've teased them enough, you bust loose and unveil the product. Excellent. Very well, sir. We shall conduct a suspense campaign. Of course, in this kind of campaign, secrecy is very important. Once the name of the product leaks out, it spreads like wildfire, and the whole campaign is kerfloppo. Kerfloppo. <clears throat> yes, quite so, quite so. Utmost secrecy. That's right. Uh, you uh, realize, of course, these things cost like crazy. Would say one million dollars cover the expense? Uh, come again? I said, would one million dollars cover it? <laughs> yes, I imagine. Uh, you did say one million dollars. I understood that you had handled some very large accounts. Of course, if this is too big... Oh, not at all, not at all. As a matter of fact, I seldom touch anything less. Uh, right, Oliver? Huh? Oh, 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 of course. That's right, Mr. Ryan. Absolutely right. Good. You will begin, then, by saturating the newspapers, the radio, streetcars, with a very simple statement. What's that? I shall write it for you. The Martians are coming. <laughs> Say, that's not a bad teaser. Got that, Oliver? Yes, sir. The next ad will read, June 1st is Martian Day. June 1st is Martian Day. What happens on June 1st? The parade takes place. What parade? I wish you to arrange a parade up Fifth Avenue. You mean like the uh, Macy Parade? Exactly. Except that the theme will be the world of tomorrow. The Martian world. Uh, my client would like it to be a gay affair. Balloons, clowns, pennants, pretty drum majorettes. Say, that sounds terrific. I might be able to interest the department stores in a tie-in. The uh, parade will climax the campaign. On June 1st, the product will be unveiled. Good enough. Uh, by the way, Mr. Lucia, just what is the product? Uh, what are we selling? <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Ryan. Secrecy, remember. Oh, but after all... All will be revealed to you in good time, Mr. Ryan. For the moment, let us say, we are selling a concept. A concept? Precisely. The concept of invasion from Mars. Uh, Benny Marcus, please. This is Benny. Uh, Benny, this is Sid Ryan over at Publicity Associates. Listen, Benny, how you fix for midgets? I got midgets. Fine. I need 40 midgets for a parade. 40. June 1st. And listen, Benny, I want them dressed in little space suits. What? You know, like men from Mars, okay? Midgets. And I want some movie extras, uh, maybe 50 of them. Also rigged up like men from Mars. Make them look gruesome. Got that? Gruesome. Also, I need some horses with uh, pretty girls on top of them. Maybe you can get that bunch from Moroni's Traveling Circus, the ones we booked for the Fireman's Parade in Albany last year. Oh, I'll try, sir. And never mind the expense. Just get me the talent, okay? I, uh, I uh, gotta hang up now. Uh, call me back, Benny. 
How you doing, Oliver? Oh, fine, Mr. Ryan, just fine. We got full-page ads in all the dailies and 10-second spot announcements on every local station, <laughs> but it's costing a fortune. The more it costs, the bigger our percentage. Spend like you are going to the electric chair, Oliver. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, how are you making out on the parade? If it comes off, it'll be the biggest thing since Barnum invented the midget. I've got Macy's, Gimbal's, and Saks to contribute floats. Everything is built around the Martian theme, see? Even the horses will have long feelers attached to them and uh, funny-looking extra legs. It'll be sensational. Oh, yeah, yeah, it sounds fine, only... Uh... Only what? Oh, Mr. Ryan, we don't even know what we're selling. <laughs> Oliver, my boy, do you think old Sid Ryan has been sitting here spending all this moolah and not putting two and two together? You mean you know who Lushar represents? Just by accident, understand? I have learned that Century Pictures is making a big new epic. A space opera entitled Invasion from Mars. Get it? Oh, oh, I begin to see. Uh, also, by mere coincidence, it happens to be the premiere sometime around June 1st. You follow me? But Mr. Ryan, Century has an exclusive contract with New Features Syndicate for all their publicity. Suppose Century Pictures doesn't like the way New Features is handling their stuff. They want to get out of the contract, but New Features says no. So they have to get around the contract. A man named Lucia, client unknown, starts publicizing the Martian invasion. Need I go further? Oh, I get it, Mr. Ryan. I... Gee, I suppose I should have thought of that. No, Oliver, that's what I like about you. You're so innocent. <laughs> yeah, let me talk to Commissioner Patrick, please. Sid Ryan. Kamish, Sid Ryan. Oh, it's you. <laughs> well, what is it this time? If you want to drop a man off the Empire State Building into a teacup full of water, the answer is no. <laughs> also, we are not arresting any fan dancers. You know I don't handle fan dancers. I want a permit for a parade, June 1st, 5th Avenue. It's a Sunday. There's no traffic. Oh, come now. Look, Ryan. Macy's gets a permit. Gimbel's gets a permit. The American Legion gets a permit. The Sons of Aaron march every time Morton Downey sings the word in the green. Don't give me a hard time, Patrick. This is too big. Come on I have now. the Fifth Avenue Merchants Association behind me. Okay, Ryan. Fill out the forms. I'll pass them along to the license commissioner. That's my boy. Oh, by the way, what's the occasion? Oh, don't you read the papers, Patrick? June 1st is Martian Day. Well, Mr. Ryan, how is the campaign going? Like fire, Mr. Lushaw, like fire. Everybody and his brother is going along with the gag. Yesterday, we distributed 50,000 Martian hats to school kids. I even arranged for Commissioner Patrick to accept a $50,000 check for the Policeman's Benevolent Fund from the man from Mars. <laughs> Excellent. I, um... I understand Century Pictures spend over a million bucks making that space opera. A big pardon? Oh, come, come, Mr. Lucia. Sid Ryan wasn't born yesterday, you know. I know who our client is, even if you don't admit it. You do? Always thinking that's me. Well, as long as you know, let's keep it to ourselves, shall we, Mr. Ryan? As you once remarked, when these things leak out, it destroys the surprise and ruins the effectiveness of the campaign.
speaking to from our portable transmitter atop the reviewing stand for the much-heralded Martian Parade on Fifth Avenue. It's a beautiful sunlit day here in New York. A perfect day for a parade. And the streets are packed with thousands of spectators, all eager to find out what this is all about. There's an air of, of shrill expectancy. Helen, over here! Okay, tell them all right. Uh, I've just had word from Sal Brown up at Central Park Mall that the Martians have landed from big pink balloons. And uh, while we're waiting here for the arrival of the parade, we've brought some people up to our microphone to tell you their reactions to this spectacular affair. Uh, uh, what's your name, madam? Miss Ada Shackley. A little louder, please. Miss Ada Shackley. And uh, where are you from, Mrs. Shackley? Columbus, Ohio. I see. <laughs> and I see you have your family with you, two little curly-headed boys. Uh, are you in New York for your vacation? Yeah, we came for the Shriners Convention with their daddy. Well, uh, Mama, Mama, uh, what do you think of Martian Day, Mrs. Shackley? Well, it all seems very strange to me, but the boys have been pestering me to watch it, so we've been standing here for two hours. I can't make head or tail of it. Uh, well, neither can a lot of other people, Mrs. Shackley, but judging by the thousands here already, there's a lot of curiosity. Curiosity killed a cat, Mama. folks say. Uh, let's hope not. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Shackley. And now, here's the... Here they come, ladies and gentlemen. The first units of the big Martian parade swinging down Fifth Avenue. There's fanfare, colored streamers, music, confetti, floats, all the trappings of a Mardi Let's listen to the band for a minute. Here in the vanguard, the whole group of little midgets in weird-looking pink and blue spacesuits carrying Rube Goldberg weapons with signs painted on them. I can read one which says Atomic Blaster. Another has a placard reading, We're Martian Through Georgia. And here come the clowns, laughing and falling all over each other. They're giving free sugar candy to the kids along the way. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a happy, laughing crowd along Fifth Avenue today. A true reflection of the great sense of humor and good nature that makes America the place it is. Why only... What's this? The crowd's murmuring now. They've fallen somewhat silent. There's something coming. I'll try to get it for you. What? Uh, oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here comes the Martian contingent. This is promised as the climax of the show. And now a great hush has fallen over the crowd. It's quite a sight to see these thousands of people standing here expectantly, hearing only the great regular sigh of their mass breathing. Now here they come, ladies and gentlemen, the Martians, marching in booted, helmeted ranks, row after row of them. This is an impressive sight, ladies and gentlemen, and a rather serious contrast to the rest of the, the joyous slapstick parade we've been witnessing up and now. There are perhaps, oh, 200 tall, broad-chested men dressed in metallic gray spacesuits with thick glass visors drawn across their faces. Each one's holding an ominous-looking ray gun at the ready position marching in absolute silence, keeping step perfectly as though some new unspoken command were marking time for them. Even the children are awed by the unexpected warlike realism of the Martian Legion. And now the first ranks of the Martians move past us, down Fifth Avenue toward the reviewing stands at the square. No one moves. There, a, a woman, a woman, ladies and gentlemen, just dashed out into the street. For what reason, I don't know. She just slipped through the police cordon somehow. They're after her now. But she's already reached the ranks of the marches, and she's trying to lift the visor of one of the Martian space suits. Wait, wait. 
She's fallen. She screamed and then fell forward in a dead faint. The Martian column keeps right on coming. Unless they break ranks, they're going to trample her. No, no, no. The police have, policemen have got her now. They're, they're dragging her away. Out of the way. Trying to revive her now. What is that? Uh, all sorts of rumors have begun filtering back through the crowd. Some are even whispering that the woman's dead. We don't know yet, but whatever's happened, the incident seems to have cast a slight shadow over the mood of the crowd. The carefree holiday air seems to have vanished. The crowd's stirring uneasily. A little disturbed at what we've, what we've just seen. Nothing to be alarmed at, however. It just, it just seems a shame that anything like this should happen to spoil our enjoyment of the Martian parade. Dimension X will continue in just a moment. It's National Wheaties Week. I want to take that again, Frank? Oh, sure. It's National Wheaties Week, and we're celebrating. And that voice you heard belongs to my severest critic who is here to help us celebrate tonight. He's the fellow who's backstage when I'm telling you about the Wheaties. He listens to see that I tell you right. Wheaties' best friend next to me, Blaine Butcher. I think you took that introduction a little fast, Frank. Uh, now, suppose, <laughs> you see uh, what I mean, folks? Seriously, Blaine, you say the Wheaties words once. Okay, all I'll say is this. Those of us who tell the Wheaties story believe what we say. And during National Wheaties Week, the good word is this. Get a package of Wheaties and try them just once. I'll be right behind you in line at your grocers between you and Frank Martin. Okay? Do that now. Try Wheaties. It's National Wheaties Week. Ryan, did you see that? A woman fainted. She ran out into the street to get a close look at the Martians. Then, then she screamed and fainted dead away. I'm well aware of that, Oliver, since I paid her 50 bucks to do it. What? The dramatic moment, Oliver. The stock and trade of the good publicity man. Relax. Holy smokes, you sure think of everything. For my share of this deal, roughly $100,000, I can afford to think of everything. Shut the window. Oh, okay, but don't you want to see the finish? We'll go down to the reviewing stand for the finish. Right now, I want to make a phone call. Uh, by the way, where's Lucia? Well, I haven't seen him. Well, uh, close the window, Oliver. Well, I... Okay, Mr. Ryan. Marcus Towel Agency. Benny, this is Sid Ryan. Oh, I say, listen, Sid, I was going to call you. I'm awful sorry about those Martians. What do you mean, sorry? They're terrific. No, don't joke, Sid. I mean it. Well, I mean it, too. They're great, great. Are you in a bag? Never felt better. You mean it, don't you? Of course I mean it. What is this? There are Martians in the parade? About 150. Of course, I only ordered 50, Sid. but under the circumstances... Sid. What is it? Sid, don't you know I couldn't get you a single movie extra? There's a studio strike in New York. Huh? Wait a minute. Where'd these guys come from if you didn't hire them? I don't know. Hold on. Oliver. Oh, yes, Mr. Ryan? Did you hire those Martians? Well, no, sir. I didn't... Benny, this is on the level, isn't it? Honest, Sid, I... Okay, Benny, I'll, I'll call you back. What's the matter, Mr. Ryan? I don't know. Just don't know. Wonder flu shot at him. What's um, Century Pictures number? Tremaine 4, 1,000. Tremaine 4, 1,000. 
Century Pictures, the studio of the stars. Uh, give me Marty Sanford, your publicity director. One moment, please. Sanford. Uh, Marty, this is Sid Ryan. Oh, hello, Sid. How's it Fine, big... fine. Listen, Marty, this is dead serious. On the level, get it? What's wrong? I've got to locate Lucia. Uh, Lou who? Lucia, come on now, Marty. This is life and death. The guy you sent over to hire me for the invasion picture. I never heard of a guy named Lucia. And, uh, what invasion picture? Invasion from Mars, the space opera. Are you batty? Marty. The picture was shelved last month. What? Sure, back in the can. Big Shots decided you can't sell a Martian invasion to the American public? It's too incredible, Sid. <laughs> Who'd ever believe it could really happen? Of all the crazy... Mother in heaven. What is it, Mr. Ryan? You look terrible. That's, that's too fantastic. Fantastic. Mr. Ryan, is something wrong? Open that window. I, I want another look at those Martians. Look at them. Oliver, you were in the army. Could 150 movie extras learn to march like that in, say, uh, 24 hours? No. Not in 24 days, Mr. Ryan. Not a second's hesitation. Not one out of step. Look at the way they carry those ray guns at the ready. The only other time I've seen troops march like that was a film of the Nazi SS troops marching through the streets of Paris. Mr. Ryan. Oliver. Get down there. Find that woman who painted. Her name's Gloria Montez. Get her up here. Make it fast. <laughs> yes, yes, Mr. Ryan. I can't get much sense out of her. Stay away from me. Okay, Gloria. You can cut out the act and relax. Don't it's me, me. Don't Sid me. Ryan. Gloria, settle You're down. A mask. Baby, it's, it's me, Sid. It's, it's awful. It's Baby, snap out of it. Listen, what happened down there? You ran out and screamed like I told you, but the fainting, that wasn't in the act. Go away, please. Go away. Just one question, baby. Inside that helmet, what did you see? Don't get anything out of her, Mr. Ryan. She needs a doctor. Okay, Oliver. I've heard enough anyway. You take care of Gloria here. Get her a drink. Where are you going? To see the commissioner. You've got to stop this parade before things begin to happen. Okay, Ryan, what's the beef? Listen, Patrick, I don't know what it is, see, but something's wrong. You've got to stop that parade. I suppose you'd like the riot squad. That would get you a front-page spread on every paper in town. Now, look, Ryan, I've got no time for your cheap publicity gags. I'm a busy man. Listen, I'm trying to tell you I don't know where those Martians came from, who they are, anything about them. Oh, Ryan, I'm wise to your tricks. Now, if you let the sergeant show you out... You won't do it, huh? An honest citizen appeals for protection and you refuse it. I most emphatically do. Now beat it. All right, Patrick. I'll go right to the mayor's office. I'll have you busted flatter than the fried egg. Go ahead. I'm sure his honor will be glad to toss you out on that phony nickel-plated skull of yours. You heard me, Ryan. You can't see the mayor. Adolf, please. This isn't a gag. I don't want publicity. All I want to do is maybe prevent something horrible from happening. In case you don't know it, wise guy, something horrible is already happening. A couple of hundred little kids are in the hospital with tamain poisoning from that phony Martian candy you passed out. What? Or didn't you know? I... I didn't. We've got to stop that parade. Sure, you'd like nothing better than start a panic now. Maybe a few hundred people get trampled to death. Think of the newspaper space 
That'd get you and your phony product. I won't stand for this, Adolf. This may be a matter of life and death. Now get out of here, quick. It'll be your death. Go on, beat it. Get out. You and your publicity, sons. Make me sick to my stomach. Useless to scream at him, Mr. Ryan. Your friend is quite dead. Lucia. He wanted to run to the police with some story about a Martian invasion. I found it necessary to restrain him. Restrain him, you stinking murderer! Now, now, Mr. Ryan, collect yourself. After all our planning, it wouldn't do to have everything spoiled now, would it? Lucia, I'll start talking and talk fast, because when you get through, I'm going to take you apart piece by piece. What's this all about? Surely you know, Mr. Ryan. After all, you've been publicizing it for months... You see, before colonizing your planet, the Martian government sent some of us as scouts in advance, disguised as Earthmen, of course, to study your habits, your weaknesses. We found that the people on Earth are predominantly conditioned by advertising and publicity. And so we conceived the idea of treating our entire invasion as a vast publicity stunt. <laughs> Clever, yes? After all, Mr. Ryan, who would suspect an invader who advertised his invasion in the newspaper, invited the public to his surprise attack, and spent millions publicizing his plans? Holy jumping... You've done very well, you see. Then there was no product. Ah, but there is a product. The product is death. What are you trying, Lucia? We Martians are a humane people, Mr. Ryan. We do not like to destroy thousands where a few hundred will suffice. In exactly two minutes, our troops will treat the world to a spectacle of death, which will bring the rest of your planet to its knees in horror. Nations will clamor to surrender. Perhaps, Mr. Lucia, but not if I can help... No, no, no! Operator, this is Mr. Ryan. Get me the field telephone on the reviewing stand of the Martian Day Parade. Hurry. Anyone in particular? Just hurry. Reviewing stand. Hello? Get me Commissioner Patrick. Hello? Hello? You have to talk louder. I want Commissioner Patrick. Who? Patrick, Patrick. Wait a minute. Things are quieting down. Hey, wait a minute. What was that you wanted? This is Ryan. I have to talk to the commissioner. It's a matter of life and death. Oh, you can't talk to him now. The chief Martian is presenting the PBA check to him. The Martians are going to fire a salute. Listen, you got to stop them. What? Stop him! I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan, I can't hear you. You idiot, the worst is going... Mr. Ryan, Mr. Ryan, you've been cut off. I heard it. Is something the matter? No, operator. Doesn't matter. Dimension X has transcribed The Parade, an original radio drama written by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Joseph Curtin as Ryan, Barry Kroger as Lushar, and Alexander Scurby as Ron Heilman. Your narrator was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman. Engineer, Bill Chambers. 
Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. In a moment, we'll tell you about next week's show. And now, here is your Wheaties man, Frank Martin. It's National Wheaties Week. Have you had them today? Had your Wheaties? It's National Wheaties Week. The time of the year to buy Wheaties and try them at least once, for goodness sake. Because once you sit down to a bowl of Wheaties with milk and the fruit of your choice, I don't worry about you. Nope, I know there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake, and that's good. Besides, I know that starting a better breakfast with Wheaties can help you feel better, look better, and work better all morning. But honest now, you have to do your part before Wheaties can do theirs. Sure, buy Wheaties. That's what you have to do. That's what I have to do. Buy them and see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. And a happy National Wheaties Week to you. Listen next week when we present the Robert Heinlein story, The Roads Must Roll, another adventure into the world of tomorrow, the world of... Dimension X. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen Saturday, that's tomorrow night, to Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. And remember, it's National Wheaties Week. Swing your partners right and left. It's National Wheaties Week. Come on, everybody, to the Wheaties party. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Dance together cheek to cheek. This is National Wheaties Week. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Wheaties, a breakfast of champions. program came to you from New York. Jack Late's coming up October 6th. It's Bill Bendix on NBC. Johnny presents the Milton Burl Show. Make no mistake, of all leading cigarettes, the superiority of Philip Morris, and only Philip Morris, is recognized by eminent nose and throat specialists. No other cigarette can make that statement. So take a tip from Johnny and... From Radio City in New York, here is the Milton Berle Show with Bert Kelson, Jack Albertson, Johnny Gibson, Mary Schiff, Billy Sands, Charlie Irving, Ruth Gilbert, our singing star Dick Barney, Ray Block and his orchestra, and yours truly, Frank Allen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we salute the communications industry. 72 years ago this week, to a world that had nothing, Alexander Graham Bell gave the telephone. The telephone gave us radio, radio gave us Milton Berle, and Milton Berle brings us right back to nothing. <laughs> and here he is, Milton Berle. Thank you. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Gallup, I- I'm, I'm a nothing? Are you kidding? Oh, man, I'm doing great. This is my comeback. 
I'm making a comeback from the place everybody keeps telling me to go to. <laughs> but you're right, Mr. Gallup. What an anniversary week it's been for inventions. And what a tough lives. What tough lives those inventors led. They laughed at Edison. They laughed at Bell. They laughed at Marconi. Then you came along and everybody stopped laughing. You nearly didn't get one on that yourself. Mr. Gallup, uh, I want you to watch that tonight because when you criticize this program, you're biting off your own nose. And with that nose, you'd have to be a sword swallower. <laughs> get a load of that gallop. Really looks good? Really. What slab did you leave? This <laughs> Every other program has nice, fat, jolly announcers. We have the only announcer in radio who gets valentines from undertakers. <laughs> But let's get on to more important things. Last Thursday was Lincoln's birthday, and what a week for the Republicans. Yes, the Republicans had their big Lincoln's Day dinner in Washington. I was there. Mm -hmm. And what a dinner. They only had one course. Roast Truman. <laughs> you notice the Republicans laugh. <laughs> but the Republican candidates are really campaigning. Dewey just got back from Boston. I don't say Dewey is overdoing his campaigning. But when he got off the plane, two babies fell out of his mustache. <laughs> Call a writer. <laughs> oh, for a new writer. <laughs> but the big event, Mr. Gallup, in New York this week was the dog show that was held at Madison Square Garden. The winning dog belonged to a Broadway columnist. Really, it was a half peak and half bull. <laughs> Did you? Are you with me? <laughs> Did you, uh, did you attend the dog show, Mr. Gallup? Well, it so happens, Burl, that this year my dog was entered in the dog show. Your dog? Mm-hmm. My great Dane, champion Gustav von Inverclyde, Duke of Auchinleck III. Gustav von Inverclyde, that's his name? Yes, but we call him Milton. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sweet of you, Mr. Gallup. Is he a valuable dog? Valuable? Is he? He's worth over $25,000. $25,000? That's more than I'm worth. Well, some dogs are worth more than others. <laughs> Gee, that was jazzy. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, the next time that your dog drags you into the backyard to bury you, take that joke with you. And while you're there, get a writer. <laughs> but let us continue... <laughs> oh, murder. But let us continue tonight as we salute communications. First, the telephone. The coming of the telephone brought with it new problems in the home between man and wife. The phone rings. Who will go to answer it? This is what we mean. Milton, answer the phone. Answer it? Don't be silly. It's not for me. They're always for you. No, this one is for you. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. <laughs> I'm not expecting a call. I'm not expecting a call. I'm not expecting a call. <laughs> answer it. Oh, all right. All right. I'll go. like that. One moment, please. Uh, 
Well, Milton? You were right, dear. It's for me. I'll go back and see what they want. The telephone brought a new rich humor to American life. The practical joker. It is four in the morning. Milton Burl is sound asleep. Uh, Penny Youngman steals all my jokes. Bob Hope. Ain't nothing. I gotta get new writers. Milton, wake up. I do. What? Who deals? Oh, what is it? Milton, get up and answer the phone. All right. Gee, it's pitch dark. I don't know if... Ow, 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 ow! My toe, my toe. I broke my toe. So what? You still have 11 left. Very funny. What's that? Ow, ow, ow! My back. Yeah. My neck. It's dark. What am I stepping on? <laughs> what did you say, dear? <laughs> oh, 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 it was the cat. Where's the phone? Oh, brother, four in the morning. Must be important. Hello? Hello, Milton Merrill? Yes. Is your house on a streetcar track? Yes, it is. Better get it off. There's a streetcar coming. <laughs> Why, that... Who was it, Milton? Some practical joker. Said we should get our house out of the way. A streetcar's coming. <laughs> a streetcar's coming. <laughs> he was right. Look out. Here it comes. Get out of the way. Help, help, help. Mr. Gallup, the telephone. Remember those days of our youth when the telephone meant romance? Through the receiver, you heard sweet words from that one and only girl. And then sometimes in your dreary little room, you sang, All alone, I'm so all alone. There is no one else but you. All alone, by the telephone, waiting for a ring, a ting-a-ling. Thank you, Oscar. <laughs> ah, Cynthia. Golden memories of Cynthia. I remember that day we met Cynthia when I stepped into the phone booth. I didn't know you were living there. <laughs> and I can still remember your tinkling little laugh when I put a nickel in your ear and tried to dial your face. <laughs> that loveliness that was you, Cynthia. Your beautiful eyes. One eye said, come hither, and the other eye came over to meet it. <laughs> Cynthia, my little model... Oh, you were lovely. Remember those ads before and after? You were during. <laughs> that works on you, then you get to hate it, that joke. <laughs> Temperamental, Cynthia. How you used to blow off steam right through the hole in your head. <laughs> Patriotic, Cynthia. Remember that day that you called Washington? It was at Valley Forge, and you asked him for a new uniform. <laughs> you asked him for a new uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Home-loving Cynthia. Every Saturday night, you used to call your folks in Texas. How I pleaded with you to use a telephone and save your voice. 
What a deep voice you had, Cynthia. Every time you yelled for a taxi, ships would stay out of New York Harbor. <laughs> That's why I'm all alone and I'll keep wondering how you are and where you are and if you are and what you are and who you are and there you are and oysters are and caviar and halibut. Wait a minute! I better quit while I'm ahead. And wondering if you are all alone too. Ladies and gentlemen, enough words have been written about cigarettes and smoking pleasure to fill every library from here to Timbuktu. But you'll never hear words that make more sense, words that are more important to you who smoke than the words you're about to hear now. For these words were written by one of America's top-ranking doctors. Listen to what the doctor has to say. In cases of irritation of the nose or throat, it is my usual practice with my patients who smoke to suggest that they change to Philip Morris. And why does the doctor advise this change to Philip Morris? Listen. The reason for this advice is that I am convinced that they are less irritating than other cigarettes. Remember, if your cigarette leaves your throat dry and parched, if it makes you cough or leaves a stale, musty taste in your mouth, these definitely are reasons for a change to Philip Morris. So join up with the thousands who every day are discovering in Philip Morris a cleaner, fresher, milder smoke, a deeper, richer smoking pleasure than they've ever known before. Yes, call for Philip Morris. And remember, of all leading cigarettes, the superiority of Philip Morris and only Philip Morris is recognized by eminent nose and throat specialists. No other cigarette can make that statement. That's the finish. <laughs> that was Ray Block and the Philip Morris Orchestra playing two short polka. <laughs> I'm just as foof and razy wazy. To me, your music is like the new look. It drags. And now. <laughs> this boy in the second row, are you a writer? <laughs> See you after the show. Ladies and gentlemen, now as we continue our salute to the world of communications, we present Radio Forum tonight. Radio Forum tonight. The question If television is still in its infancy, will Milton Berle's face make it age overnight? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gallup. Then let's have some questions from the audience. All right, let's start with this gentleman in the aisle with the exterminator spraying his wife. Uh, yes, sir? Mr. Burl, my three children were thin and anemic. But now, thanks to you, they have tremendous appetite. Really? How come? I just tell them if they don't eat, they have to listen to your program. Thank you, Henry Morgan. Let us continue. All right, this, uh, this young man in the third row with the snakeskin hat and face to match. Um... Young boy, stepping up here. Young man, uh, what is your name? My name is Winthrop Rockefeller. <laughs> Winthrop Rockefeller? Don't confuse me with the one that just got married. Oh, I won't. I'm the one that's got money. <laughs> you've, uh, you've got money? I'm loaded. You are. You're loaded. Yeah, whenever I say I'm loaded, I got money. <laughs> Whenever you're loaded, you say you have money. I see don't what uh, you're... don't read it that way. <laughs> Got a tax He drove over in a Studebaker tonight. <laughs> and uh, you haven't got money. Is, is what is very confusing to you? Well, yeah, we keep getting each other's mail. Who? 
Winthrop Rockefeller, and you keep well. That's all right. All right, Bobo. You, uh... You have a question? Oh, it'd be funny if this is an audition and we don't know. You, uh, you have a question that concerns us something about radio? You must be kidding with a question like that. No, I... I... You mean to stand there with your hooper hanging out and ask me that? Now, look... Why don't you just play it smart and shut up so maybe they won't notice you? But I thought... You want to know what's wrong with radio? I'll tell you, stupid. You don't... The trouble is you can reach millions of people, but nobody can get hold of you. No, I'm the not... The trouble is nobody can tell if you're funny or if your mother is yakking it up in the studio. And your mother's Philco. That uh, young man will take his three-year notice. <laughs> we, we must not create a disturbance. Let us go on to the ladies in the audience. All right, this lady in the last row with the dazed expression and the tire marks on her face. <laughs> uh, what is your name, madam? Tallulah Feeney. I'm a homemaker. <laughs> I see. And you're a radio fan? Not me, my husband. Your husband? You hate a Dr. IQ? Yeah. He's Dr. Peel. <laughs> I see. You hate a queen for a day? Yes. He's schmo for a year. I understand. Does your husband attend many broadcasts? Once he went on Truth or Consequences. They put him in a tub full of whipped cream and then give him a calf's tongue to lick himself clean. No kidding. They carried that fat slob home all covered with whipped cream. I thought he was a refrigerator, so I plugged him in the wall. You plugged him in the wall? Yeah, but it didn't work. He's AC and our building's DC. Terrible. And Mrs. Feeney, tell me, what happened? His nose lit up and toast kept popping out of his vest. I see. Does he still attend broadcast? Not after what happened to him on Take It or Leave It. Take It or Leave It? He tried to take it, but they caught him and made him leave it. Thank you very much, Mrs. Feeney. Thank you. As a fitting climax to our forum on communications, it is an honor to present a man who, through sleet and storm, keeps your telephone lines open. He is none other than the telephone company's ace line man and troubleshooter, the hardiest and burliest of that two-fisted profession, Mac Boomer Featherfield. Mr. Featherfield, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Barrel. <laughs> It is glorious occasions like this that makes my heart overflow with gratitude to the thousands of people who've seen me sliding down telephone poles and getting slivers all over the United States and certain parts of the South. I must say, Mr. Featherfield, for a man in your rugged profession, you don't look too well. I know. It was that terrible scare I got this morning. Scare? What happened? I saw two vultures fighting on my front lawn. Why did that scare you? They were fighting over me. <laughs> Mr. Featherfield, up on those poles tapping the telephone wires all day, you must hear some very choice bits of uh, conversation. Ooh. Ha! Huh. <laughs> Last week I had the most frightening experience a married man can have. You did? Well, what happened? I was fixing a telephone line near my house. Yeah? And I heard a man in a deep voice say to a woman, Sweetheart, pack your trunk and leave your husband. And when I heard the woman say yes, I cried like a baby. No, oh, because it was your wife? No, because it wasn't. <laughs> How did you meet your wife? I was on a hunting trip. Oh. I blew my moose call and there she was. 
And your marriage has been a very happy one? She keeps sweeping me off my feet. She keeps sweeping you off the feet? Whenever I'm working high up on a pole, she comes by on her broom. <laughs> Where were you married? Well, my wife's a Michigan girl, so we had a Battle Creek wedding. Oh. <laughs> a Battle Creek wedding? Yeah. She's been battling and I've been up the creek ever since. Thank you very much, Mr. Featherfield. Here's our young singing star, Dick Barney, to sing, Beg Your Pardon. If I lose my head, beg your pardon For things that I've said, beg your pardon Why should I worry the way that I do When you're in a hurry to let me love you Try for a kiss in the garden And if I should miss, beg your pardon But if some sunny day you let me have my way I won't have to say, beg your pardon Beg your pardon. Beg your pardon. Why should I worry the way that I do when you're in a hurry to let me love you? I try for a kiss in the garden. And if I should miss, beg your pardon. But if some sunny day you let me have my way, I won't have to say, beg your pardon. Wonderful. Wonderful, Dick Barney. You know... Mr. Gallup, did you know that I was a boy soprano? No. Didn't you know that? Then came that awful day when I was 32. My voice changed. It went higher. <laughs> the doctors diagnosed... Uh, diagnose, don't go away. <laughs> they diagnosed it as a large, overacted... Uh, act, uh, what's your line, old boy? <laughs> I'm getting mixed up. We're talking about something different, and we should be talking about the communications tonight. Exactly, and precisely and specifically the telephone. Oh, the telephone, yes. Yes. <laughs> Boy is due back in Gimbel's window in the morning. Uh, uh, yes, it is true. We're talking true. about communications. And it reminds me, it says here, just this week, something happened to me, Mr. Gallup, in regard to telephones that I must tell you about. And shall I? I hope the folks that are listening in are laughing as much as we are on the stage. It was last Thursday, speaking of telephones, it was, I mean, last Saturday, and the... It was last Saturday, and I had just finished lunch in a drugstore here in Radio City, and I'm... Here's your change, Mr. Burrow. Thank you very much. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thanks. That's right. Today is Valentine's Day. Do... And I forgot to send my wife a valentine. I know. I'll call her up and personally wish her a happy valentine. Here's a phone booth. 
And she's so sensitive about holidays, too. Lincoln's birthday, she got mad because uh, I didn't send him a gift. <laughs> Gee, what'll I say? Long distance. Who are you calling? Mabel, circle six, two... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I reading here off the wall? Operator. <laughs> I'm sorry, Operator. I get a little mixed up. I'm so nervous. I- I'm Milton Burl, and I'm calling my home in Jackson Heights. The number is Jamaica 5600. Yes, sir. Deposit 35 cents, please. Let's see. That's three dimes and a nickel, isn't it? I'm sorry. We do not give out that information. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's the money. See, when my wife answers, I'll, I'll just say, I love you with a heart divine. Will you be my valentine? Hmm? Pretty good. I must have read that in Nick Kenny's column. <laughs> Boy, it's getting hot in here. O- operator. 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 What's with that Jackson Heights call? Sorry, sir. There's no Milton Squirrel listed for that number. Squirrel? Did you did you say squirrel? Shall I try Central Park? <laughs> no, no, stop kidding. The joke's over. Just get the number. Whom are you calling, sir? Whom am I? Mrs. Milton Burrow. I'm Milton. This is Milton. Milton? Milton, Massachusetts. <laughs> go ahead, New York. Oh, brother. Look, miss, I just want Jackson... Well, you have to deposit $2.40, sir. But, but I... Okay, let me see. How many coins is $2? I'm sorry, we do not give out that information. I know, it must be the formula for the atom bomb. All right, here's the dough. Now get me Jackson Heights, Mrs. Milton Burrow. Burrow, B as in Baltimore, E as in elephant, R as in rose, E as in making another elephant. Now get with it, please, and get the coin. Operator. Operator. Los Angeles. No, no. Sorry, sir. We cannot locate a Milton Burl here in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's funny. He told me he was going to be there. Shall I switch you back to Baltimore? No, please. Not again. Switch me back to New York. Thank you. New York. Number, please. <laughs> Hello, New York. Hello. Still snowing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We you do, do not give out any information. I know. Now, look, for two hours, I've been trying to get my wife in Jackson Heights. I'm Milton Burrow. By this time, you can call me Milty. Okay, Milty, deposit 35 cents, please. Another 30... Oh, all right. Here. I just want to say happy Valentine. But I want to say it today, not Labor Day. Hurry up, please. Abba <laughs> How about that call? We're ready, sir. Good. We finally located Mr. Milton Burrow for you, sir. You've located him? He's in a phone booth in the drugstore at Radio City. <laughs> oh, he is. <laughs> That's funny. I just left him in Los Angeles. <laughs> now, look, dearie. Just get Mrs. Milton Burrow in Jackson Heights. Yes, sir. Mrs. Merle Hilton in Jacksonville. <laughs> Not Merle. <laughs> I give up. Look, call Jamaica, 6000. That's my next-door neighbors, Sam Harrison and his wife, Martha. I'll tell them to dig a tunnel through the snow to my house and bring my wife to the phone. The Harrisons. Yes, sir. Here is your party. Hello? Yes? Is, is, is this the Harrisons? Yes. Is, is that you, Martha? Yes. Is Sam there? Yes. Martha, will you do me a favor? Would you call Sam to the phone? Yes. Thank you. Oh, that Martha. When she gets on the phone, you can't get her off. 
<laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam, would you listen closely? I'm desperate. Well, what is it, Milton? Listen, Sam, I want you to go to, over to my... Three minutes are up, sir. Wait a minute. Operator, please. I was disconnected. Switch me back. One moment, sir. One moment. Take your time. I don't want to rush you. I don't want to rush you. Rush you? Yes, sir. Wait a minute. I'll get the waters, Moscow. Rush you to Plaza Mayorsky. Go ahead, Gromico. No, no. Please, get me somebody who can understand English. English? Stop. This is London, England. Cheerio. Cheerio. Look, would you please... Look, all the four pounds, those things. Four pounds? <laughs> I've already lost ten pounds in this boot. I'm broke. The sorry old fruit deposits the money and the whole thing's off you. Know. I won't pay. You can deduct it from the loan. Oh, look, please. I don't want to play crumpet, old cricket. I mean, look, get me back to New York. I just want to say happy crumpet to my cricket. I mean, I want to say happy valley. I, I want to say... Operator. Operator. It's three in the morning. Be patient, sir. We're trying to reach Mrs. Milton Graziano in Mexico City. Mexico? Operator, do you know what time it is? The time will be exactly. Operator, please look. Let's try it this way. Blindfold your eyes. Yes, sir. And just plug in anything in front of you. Yes, sir. This is Jackson Hyatt. I knew it would work. I have Mrs. Milton Burrell on the line. Mrs. Milton I can't believe it. Quick, I want to speak to her. I'm sorry, sir. She doesn't want to speak to you. She, she don't want to... Mrs. Burrell, please, she don't want to speak to me. Mrs. Burrell says any man who won't take two minutes to phone his wife on Valentine's Day isn't worth living with. Two minutes? <laughs> Let me talk to her. She just hung up. She's leaving for her mother's. No. No, my wife is leaving. What am I going to do without a wife? I'm sorry. We do not give out that information. I just wanted to say happy information. All this is silly. Remember this. There's a difference in Philip Morris, an advantage that distinguishes it from any other leading brand. And to you, that difference means a cleaner smoke, a fresher, milder smoke from your first Philip Morris in the morning to your last one at night. Remember, of all leading cigarettes... The superiority of Philip Morris and only Philip Morris is recognized by eminent nose and throat specialists. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.